This episode of Bartside features some clips that need a language warning. So, language warning. That's how you open a digital showcase. Put my lifeless corporate shell, have it say some stuff, doesn't matter what the stuff. Promise gameplay, deliver gameplay, season with a smidge of unnecessary violence for the clicks, and serve. Marketing videos so distill people overdose on purchase intent before it's even over. I'm talking heroin up a butt levels of marketing. Games publishers usually have a notorious reputation for being money-grubbing beasts who want to wring every last drop of creativity from talented game makers as quickly as possible until the talent loses faith in the games industry and quits making room for new talent, rinse and repeat. And then... There's Devolver Digital. Lesson slimes, it is a goddamn white-hot arms race out there. A hype-eats-hype, media-fueled intimidation game, a boss mode, knuckle-fuck, nut-kick. And we are falling way the mother-effing ever shit behind. We need a fresh perspective. Something wild. Something stunning. Something new, but not too new, but new enough so that it seems new to those know-it-all, know-nothings in the know, you know? Devolver is a games publisher that has specialised in publishing quirky indie games like Disc Room, Carrion, Fall Guys, and Inscription, and helping everyone have what seems like a pretty great experience through the process. And it has built its own very weird and wonderful persona along the way. Games as a service. A razor-edged industry shuck jive that has served to convert what was, traditionally, a one-time purchase into a potentially lifelong chain ball commitment to reoccurring payments for video games that, let's be real deal about this, most of you don't even enjoy anymore. So I wanted to understand how Devolver has pulled this off. So late last year, I caught up with Robbie Patterson, marketing manager of Devolver Digital. I've been particularly fascinated by Devolver's infamous, bizarre, and utterly compelling series of E3 video press conferences that really seem to take Devolver to a new level of anti-marketing, I guess, craziness that has also had some Black Mirror-style moments where... Devolver likes to take things to a place that isn't even funny. So much is, is creepily possible and uncomfortably prescient. Honestly, I adore how Devolver has managed to stay really weird while it seems to have grown in stature in the industry. If anything, it only seems to have gotten weirder. If you don't know them, it's hard to describe it all just by talking about it. You really do need to hear this insanity for yourself to even be scratching the surface. This year, we have overly flashy graphics to distract you from mundane dialogue. Guests appearances from personalities that you can recognize and project some misplaced familiarity onto because you have seen them in videos on the internet and whose appearance will serve to light up a predictable nostalgia response and it is 2018 and that is how marketing is done now devolver comment created content is the next evolution in user-created content. It will make changes and modifications in real time by pulling any half-assed comment, recommendation, or criticism directly from the game's own user forums. I caught up with Robbie well ahead of the company's IPO in November when the company listed on the AIM Stock Exchange in London 
at a valuation of over a billion Australian dollars. So with that billion dollars in mind, let's dive into my chat with Devolver Digital Marketing Manager, Robbie Patterson. Since 1975, Devolver Digital and the many incredible developers we've partnered with have produced what can only be appropriately described as an imperial buttload of incredible games that consumers worldwide have purchased, never actually played, and then made public claims about the game's quality in order to substantiate their place in online conversations about whether or not an indie game is still indie if it has a publisher. I've noticed that a lot of the things that are on sort of the Devolver website and in info is about being developer friendly. They say nice things about us, right? (laughs) And they do. What does it mean to be developer friendly these days? Well, I think it's just treating people like friends as well as colleagues. We don't really look at developers as being like the talent or, you know, and controlling, you know, their narrative and things like that. We just want to partner with people to release their games. It's it's all about them at the end of the day. So when we first start working with a developer, you know, we make it very clear that they're in control of everything. You know, they retain their IP and all we are really here to do is augment them and kind of create like a bubble around them that insulates, <laughs> you know, as well as, I suppose it's like an incubator, you know, it's like, we want them to grow and flourish yeah. and then they get to fly away at the end with all their game does. But the reason we do that is because a lot of the time, like we're not chasing profit or success because, I mean, frankly, you can't predict things like that, right? You can you can see a game and think, wow, this looks really cool, but you, there's no guarantee 10 people are going to buy it, let alone 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah. So every partnership that we enter into is kind of based on the assumption that we're all just happy to be here (laughs) and we just want to see the game get the best shot it can. So it's important for us that developers trust us, that we're working with their best interests. And the the easiest way to do that for us is to just get to know them as people. And, you know, we're friends with all of our developers. We drink with our developers. We dine with our developers we stay at each other's houses things like that and you'll see that you know a lot of those relationships then turn into long-term things so people like free lives or nereal dodge roll you know we work on multiple games with these people because we just like working together so I think that's what we mean by developer friendly is we're friends (laughs) (laughs) very simply we're all mates even the people that even the people that have gone away, you know, we're still friends with, we still, you know, we're excited for their projects and things like the guys behind Absolver are now making Sifu. Uh, you know, we're all very excited for that game. Oli Oli World, Roll7, you know, we're excited for those guys. So it's all good. Yeah, it's a really good thought, isn't it? Because I know, you know, like there's so much of of like big business industry type stuff means, you know, you're meant to fight with people if if they feel like they've got this chance to blossom into some new era of their thing but it's like it, yeah if you if you are genuinely friends then you can just be happy for people as they find the next cool thing that they're doing <laughs> yeah absolutely and the thing is it's like you know not every game is a hit right so yeah. it's like if you don't have that relationship and the game comes out and it's not as successful as you all hoped it would be they still need your support right 
the developer still needs people to put an arm around them and be like, hey, look, like we can fix this or, you know, or just commiserate, you know, and just yeah. be like, well, look, you know, we tried, but, you know, we're all in it together. You know, you never want to uh, make them feel like they failed or they're, you know, some victim of this whole process. What do you feel like makes Devolver say yes to a developer? Is there like a style or a vibe or an attitude or something that makes you go, yeah, these people are going to fit in? Yeah, I have to say like free to play battle royale with pay to win mechanics is a big, Mm. it's a big one for us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We try and implement it into every game that we sign, but you know, generally developers are against it. (laughs) No, I think that generally it's just a gut feeling with games. Like I can't really think of like a a methodology that we have other than the fact that if someone feels strongly about a game that they like or a developer that they know then they'll kind of bring that to the rest of the team or maybe bring it to one or two people first um that are maybe like into the genre or might have like a might cast a sort of a production or a technical eye over things to see whether or not it's viable maybe if it's like an online game yeah present it to kind of the team and then it's just you know it's just a democratic process really it's like if if enough people are excited by it then we give it a go and if if no one really is feeling it then we pass on it but in a nice way obviously we don't (laughs) slap them in the face and tell them to fuck off but um <laughs> much as me might want to but um yeah that's it really there's no kind of secret source i, mean, I suppose the secret source at devolver is just the people yeah. you know we've all known each other for a long time doug who you know we've worked together for years and years and years um i used to be agency side so I was one of the other PR folks in the UK and then I joined Devolver and most of the people who work at Devolver are people like that. People that, you know, were contractors or we've had long-term relationships with. So everyone who works here, we're all friends and we all know each other for years. So we kind of all trust each other, trust each other's opinions, trust each other's feedback and things like that. So yeah, it's usually a pretty cut and dry process when, uh, when looking at a game, but the developers have a big part to play in that as well because it's like if it's clear we may not get along for some reason i don't know why that might be then obviously that can play a part um but generally most developers are very nice especially you know at the kind of scales that we talk to developers at. when i was looking at more of the background information about devolver one of the things that jumped out was the last you know, official number I saw somewhere or, you know, official, it was on, you know, a wiki or something, was saying there's about like 20 people on the internal team. In some ways, I feel like even if it's grown a little bit since since then, it's like pound for pound. I almost feel like Devolver must be one of the most influential publishers in the world because, you know, when I think of most major publishers out there and the way that they can, you know, communicate what's coming next from them and all that, they're usually, they're really, really, big guys. And then after those, I immediately sort of go to Devolver in terms of the way that, you know, it's been able to come up with great, you know, marketing and just communication strategies, being very memey and internet savvy. And it does seem like that you guys stand out very, very loudly right alongside some of the biggest publishers in the world. We we actually have a gulag full of unpaid interns. Uh, knew, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> now I understand. They're just churn <laughs> out content constantly for us. The rest of us don't do anything. Well, I mean, that's very nice that, uh, you know, you see you see us that way. I think in in truth, it's just 
we're very lucky that kind of all of our stakeholders, as it were, are kind of all on the same page. And there's no real, there's never really any red tape or too many, you know, hoops to jump through in order to just get things rolling. So particularly on the marketing side, which is where I work, you know, we kind of self-govern, <laughs> you know, so everything is, uh, you know, through direct dialogue with developers and production to make sure they're on track. But otherwise it's like, right, okay, well, as soon as we're ready to do things, then we'll talk to, you know, platform partners to see if they can help us out with promotion. You know, people like Twitch and YouTube, you know, influencers, the press, everything kind of just falls into place quite quickly. And I think a large part of that is, again, just the the people that work here and the relationships that we have and the amount of time that we've all been doing this. And that extends to like the partners that we work with externally, like our PR agencies and things like that. Like everyone is just really good. <laughs> like yeah. everyone is just knows their role. And I think that perhaps the the crucial thing with Devolver is that like our message never really changes. I think that's probably if you can give us credit for one thing, it's that it's always been quite consistent. So that helps because everyone kind of knows what to expect to a degree. But at the same time, we still get to surprise people with the actual games that we're talking about, which I think you've seen recently with all the stuff that has been coming out this year. I mean, people uh, will always think of us as a blood and guts label, um, <laughs> which is fine. But uh you know, Terra Nil, we just announced uh, as part of Steam Next Fest, it wasn't even part of our E3 presentation and that thing just exploded. And that's, you know, the insane creativity and talent of Free Lives to bring that game to us in the first place. But then the fact that like we were just all really, I don't know, we all just had a really clear idea of how we wanted to articulate that game, where it was going to be successful, uh, you know, and leveraging Steam Next Fest to help us out in that instance rather than e3 and it worked so yeah, yeah I, I don't know if that answers your question but yeah no i think it's great i think look you make a good point there that when you you know when you know what you're doing you've got the experience to execute but then you've also got that as you say the internal trust i guess to not then feel like there's five layers of approvals everything has to go through in order to B said, yeah, okay, we can do that, which then means the months of planning and you, you can't suddenly just have a great idea that is time sensitive and just kind of go bang, let's do this thing. Um, in a lot of other places. Yeah. And I, and I've been there because I've worked in agencies where, you know, you work with clients and you're trying to get things approved or you, you have great ideas and they never come to fruition. And it, that happens. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just the consistency that Devolver has with just. We kind of know, you know, like, I don't know, it's a dark art, I suppose, yeah. marketing. <laughs> but we just kind of know what will work or what we think, you know, is is going to work. And then we just kind of move as fast as possible to put it into place. Nina Struthers. Well, that was awesome am i right i bet you want that game i bet you want to buy that game you will buy that game i believe in you buy that motherfucking game and look and then you of course you have really important leadership at the company like fork parker um and you know nina struthers you know helping to really ensure that the money is being made in the right places and that the synergy is correct tonight is going to be a special one 
I have got a lot to show you. I have got a lot to tell you about, much of which will blow your mind up, some of which will frighten your extended family a little, a small amount of which will get some of you arrested, possibly even slightly aroused, all of which is designed to subtly convince you to give us your hard-earned money. Was there... Oh, I know how much of the backstory you kind of know about that. E3 2017, crazy, mm-hmm. let's do this video press conference. But it, it, I can completely see that, you know, again, it was always just part of that Devolver DNA to have fun and do weird things. But it really did seem like it just, for so many people, it elevated Devolver from like the, oh, they do cool things over there to the, what is going on in their brains? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, I mean, I'd like to say it was all premeditated, but I think, you know, it was a fluke, really. <laughs> you know, we had a stupid idea, which was like, well, it's probably a good idea in retrospect, but it was like, well, every, everyone has E3 press conferences. We were we were relatively more well-known at the time for having our sort of anti-E3 parking lot um which was across the street from E3 and was kind of like our own little party um, venue. We'd got a bit of press for that before and the fact that um, kind of like ESA didn't like us doing it and things like that. So it was just like the next step, I suppose, in like, well, how can we continue to poke the bear? (laughs) Um, So let's do, yeah, let's do a fake press conference. And that's all it was. It was like, we'll just fill it with like, stupid nonsense but we'll make sure there's game trailers in there as well announcements and stuff like that and like we knew we had like um some really cool things that people would get excited about but we just thought well let's just do something daft and that's all it really was and it was just pure so again leaning on those relationships you know with the people we know at twitch to say hey we're going to do this thing like can we you know can we partner with you guys to add it to your e3 schedule they put us on after like Bethesda or Microsoft. So it was like this huge <laughs> audience built in and then yeah, they just yeah. put us on. So like so many people saw that first one uh, and it just, yeah, it just struck a chord with people, I suppose. I mean, now everyone hates us for the press conferences, but that's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. sick of the joke, but we're not. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Because like any good joke, it's like, maybe some people will stop laughing for it, but if you keep doing it, it gets very, very funny again soon after. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Diminishing returns. But then this year was this year was easily our most successful one. And I think that's Perfect. like, you know, a lot of that is obviously down to, again, just like the way that the entire industry sort of pulled together to say like, let's make an E3 week again. Because last year was a nightmare. It was all over the place. Yeah. But this year, which is understandable, right? But then yeah. this year, everyone kind of went, let's focus again. Let's focus again. Yeah. So it it did really well. You'll just have to wait and see what we've got planned for next year. <laughs> we have already discussed it. So <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're well in advance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are now. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. used to be. <laughs> Loot boxes have made headlines over the past year and you the moronic gobbling maw of consumer idiocy that you are have shown little to no regret in just plain dumping your money into this deeply insulting monetization model. At the same time, in parallel, it seems we have seen cryptocurrencies roll in and jack punch the global socioeconomic landscape 
right in the sweetness, creating an entirely new culture of massively unqualified financial experts with absolutely no idea what the shit they are talking about. If there is one thing at Devolver Digital that we love, it is talking confidently about important issues we are completely ignorant about and then fleecing fat stacks of cash out of an uninformed marketplace that really should know better. Loot box coin. The world's first cryptocurrency that is so fucking secure, not even the owners know its actual value. Totally unregulated and absent of all civil, governmental, international, personal, or institutional liability, Loot Box Coin aims to become the global standard in meaningless wealth acquisition and questionable financial stability. So, you know, did you sell many loot box coins in 2018? <laughs> a surprising amount. <laughs> yeah. The same as like the uh, this year we sold the Devolver Max Pass Plus merch. People <laughs> people wanted to buy that. I think like the merch pack, like the fan pack or whatever was like a, a visor. So we got that. And it's like, it's literally just a bum bag on top of a visor or like a coin purse. <laughs> then I think there was like a membership card that just grants you nothing. Yeah. Um, and a couple well, of other a, things that I can't even remember. There was like a purple suit on the site and it did say it was yeah. sold out. And I was like, yeah. was there ever a suit or did, was it just always <laughs> saying that it was sold out? But like, so some people have actually bought these things out until there's no. Yeah, more. <laughs> there were two. There were two suits, and uh, they were both bought by uh, streamers. That's amazing. And then uh, a third one, we are having made, uh, tailor made, <laughs> because it was there was three streamers who were watching together. I think right, and uh, and they all immediately um, like, went and I bought need suits. This. Yeah, but we only had two, so we're having to make a third one. Um, and then the VHS uh, tape as well was bought by, that was just like some guy yeah, who was like, I think he was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing this. <laughs> but that's really cool. And we, we're like sending him, so the VHS is real. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're, we're putting together some other nice bits and pieces to send to him as well, because that's insane that he yeah. bought it. Um, but yeah. You're going to distribute on data cassettes next year, perhaps. You can never, maybe. <laughs> we are. We're, we're, we're thinking about becoming Devolver physical. <laughs> Introducing Devolver Bootleg. Whoa, wait, what? The world's first official gray market game launcher that exclusively rips off our own games. Savvy, forward-thinking consumers like yourself should find their way to DevolverBootleg.com, which wholly unironically forwards to a Steam page for Devolver Bootleg. From there, potential users will have the opportunity to pay a small fee to download the Devolver Bootleg Launcher. Once the download is complete, users like you can select from a wide variety of off-brand versions of our most popular titles. Even the whole um, bootleg project, it's like the perfect April Fool's type gag, right? Where you go, it's fun, but actually it's also a real thing that has enabled some genuine creativity to sort of come out in a, you know, a weird and interesting way. So, yeah, that kind of feels like a really cool concept to actually execute on as well. Yeah, so that's the brainchild of Doinksoft who made Gatto Roboto and they also made this this year's game 
which is physical only, demon throttle. Yeah, those guys are just like insane in the best possible way. And it was just thinking it would be a good idea to go to them and say, hey, why don't you make bootlegs of all of our games? And they did. And they did it in like a crazy short amount of time, like a matter of weeks. And it is great, you know, and they, we just left them to it. It was like, just make these weird games or yeah. we'll just release it. Whatever's in there, we'll just release <laughs> It'll it. Just um, <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of set ourselves up for something like that every show since, because <laughs> so this year we had them do Demon Throttle. So they came back to do Demon Throttle. And then last year we did Devolver Land Expo, which was a product of being not, I mean, like, hamstrung right in march yeah suddenly everything was cancelled so we had to think <laughs> really quickly about what we were going to do because we had a completely different you know uh conference you know yep. uh idea and all this kind of stuff and we had to scrap it all so we had to start again and that was basically the the guys who are now making trek to yomi at that point last year they were in between projects. So they just finished their last project and they hadn't started Trek to Yomi. So uh, we were like, can we steal you <laughs> to make this 3D conference video game uh, in three months? And they did it. <laughs> so, and then we released that and it was like on the front page on Steam <laughs> in the middle of E3. So yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I don't know how we managed to do this stuff, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. There's a lot of times when we think about E3 as a concept. I know I personally sometimes I feel really bad for the people who are, you know, like the booth in the back corner of like a second hall. And you think, was it really mm. worth them kind of just paying like a, for an overpriced booth just to be there when there's a million other vastly bigger things there, you know, the your approach seems like it's always been the game. Well, you can be E three adjacent and feed off some of the energy without needing to, you know, literally just feed the beast. Do you still feel like it, it's important to have these kinds of, you know, collective moments within marketing for games rather than just kind of throwing things out there totally in isolation? Uh, it's a difficult one because you see, you do see certain amount of backlash particularly this year because well last year was difficult because everyone had to scramble and you ended up with like a hundred events happening over like three months Uh, and by the end of the year i think people were just exhausted by it yeah this year was much better because it was much more focused but i think still suffered a little bit from just like just a bit of oversaturation of like there were a lot of games announced this year and i think you have to find the right balance we had we kind of touched on nine games this year as part of E3, and then we had Terra Nil outside of it. So you could say that we had sort of 10 in the E3 space. And, you know, we were lucky. All of those games kind of went over really well. Some of them people were already familiar with and just had release dates and stuff like that, which was good. But I think any more than that, for a, for a publisher like us, any more than that, and I think we risk everything being lost. Yeah. But I do think... And this is maybe just me speaking more personally, but yeah. I think like for the industry, I, I still feel like having an, an excuse to bring everyone together is a really good thing just for the, the love of video games. Yeah. You know, uh, 
even without kind of a marketing thing, like a big part of us doing the press conferences and the, I mean, these days, obviously the press conferences get a lot of attention. So we, we want to make the most of them in terms of like the stuff that we show from the games and things like that. But even with like the parking lot and things to begin with, it was kind of just, well, we just want to be there because everyone's there yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. like, we want to see people we want to you know, hang out with people <laughs> yeah and we're friends with a lot of people in the media and influences and things like that as well so it's like well, let's be there so everyone can hang out together and then we'll have the games there because we want people to see the games but like at the end of the day you know it's we just want to be there and i, I think there's like i can understand why people just want to be there basically yeah um so i i definitely don't kind of like I don't look down on anyone for just, you know, throwing their money at a booth just to be there. I think that is admirable <laughs> that, you, that you'd want to spend your money just to be a part of E3. Whether or not it makes sense for them in a business you know, manner is kind of just, I mean, that's down to the individual at yeah, the end of the of day. Course. We could have fallen flat on our face doing a, a parking lot across the street from E3, but it just happened to work. <laughs> yeah. And we've done plenty of things that have fallen, you know, meant we've fallen flat on our face over the years. <laughs> so you just have to do what's right for you, I guess. But I do think that whether or not it's E3 specifically, but I do think that having some sort of, you know, big get together is, is fun. It's fun as a fan, right? Like if yeah. you're sat at home and you're like, holy shit, like I've got a week here where I can like book it off work <laughs> and I get to watch like all these publishers talk about all their video games and get excited about it. Like, I think that's great. That's why I used to love E3 when I was younger. Demon Throttle will not, I repeat, will not be available in any digital format and is only available for you to purchase as a retail product and put on your shelf and to never play or to sell at ridiculous scalper prices to anyone who missed out on its initial offering starting today. Now on Demon Throttle, um, it's interesting because obviously, you know, again, it's been, you're selling the whole idea of it is physical only. It will never be digital. You must buy yeah. it. Um, yeah. but I've noticed also that alongside that, you know, Hades has done like a special, you know, physical edition release after being really successful, um, as a digital game. It, it does seem like there's a little bit of that thing going on now where there might be almost like the, you know, the vinyl of video games thing happening where, where some people do like to collect stuff. And as much as digital is vastly easier and certainly, you know, Devolver is literally Devolver Digital, um, but you do have the partnership with Special Reserve Games that it feels like there is something about like special edition physical releases that might be becoming a bit of a, a thing out there. What do you think? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's you know me personally. I'm a massive collector of all kinds of things, so um, including vinyl, including physical video games, including action figures, and you name it. So yeah, I'm keenly aware of the kind of the fandom, and it, it's it's still a niche. It'll always be a niche. It's yeah. never going to be a like a money maker. It initially started kind of the partnership with special reserve initially started is just kind of like a a way to give the developers something that they could hold you know yeah that they could see their game as like a, a playstation disc or whatever you know because i think that's important as well like being able you know for them to be able to put something on their shelf so that's kind of where it all sort of started but then uh, you know as time goes by you start to learn what people like what they don't like and um yeah and then you can start to be 
I don't know. It just it adds it adds something to the games that having something tangible is like I yeah. just feel like that's really important. If you really love something, I still buy DVDs <laughs> because there are and Blu-rays because there are certain films or TV shows that I just like. I just want to own. I just yeah. want to know that I've got them there. Yeah. Um, Round the Twist being a particular Australian wow. series yeah. that I love. Yeah, so I've got the <laughs> box set of Round the Twist. <laughs> and I, I think it's that mentality. It's just, it's just, it's nothing to do with kind of uh, sales or, or anything like that. It's more about just, yeah, appealing to the fans, you know, and giving yeah. the fans something that they can do. And then, yeah, you can get a bit gimmicky with it. Like with Demon Throttle, it's like this game will only be available physically but anyone can buy it it's not like limited edition yeah you know or only available for one week or anything <laughs> like that it's like no you just go and buy it <laughs> like, yeah. it's just gonna be there <laughs> so yeah so that's really cool as well and again you know that's because you know we love doink soft and they were up for doing something daft which was ma- making this game and making it physical only just for part of the fun yeah and it's it's doing well i think i don't know the exact numbers but you know people hit the website as soon as we announced it and we're pre-ordering it so yeah, yeah. all good that's awesome does it come with a director's commentary or other things like a dvd you know i mean that's clearly that's the reason for buying <laughs> yeah. a dvd almost Fort, is- uh, Fort parker director's commentary <laughs> on every game from special reserve <laughs> you tell me nina Early access has been a powerful tool for developers and fans alike for years. You'd tell me that with your dumb little mouth and I'd knuckle punch you right in your goddamn throat because ladies and gentlemen, we have something even better than that. We are calling it Devolver Digital Earliest Access. And we think it will be a revolutionary way to hastily rush unfinished game content out to consumers using a patent application pending breakthrough in the twin sciences of heavy mu meson subtemporal phase shift frame manipulation and consumer psychocommercial analytics devolver digital is now able to release new titles into the marketplace earlier than ever before how much earlier we are talking point of conception a developer thinks an idea and bam that shit's available for sale when I searched for Devolver Digital the other day, I noticed one of the first answer, one of the first kind of alternate searches that popped up was, "How do you pitch to game? Uh, how do you pitch a game to Devolver Digital?" Let's solve that riddle right here. How does a dev who's like, "I love their vibe, but I'd love to pitch my cool game to Devolver," is that a thing? And is there a you know what should someone be trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. We get hundreds of pitches. Um, all the time. Uh, so don't feel scared. <laughs> don't worry about like, you know, oh, I don't have a demo finished or anything like that. Like as long as you have, um, as long as like the concept is there and you can articulate it in a way that, you know, gives us a, a, a real idea of what the game is and how it will work. You don't necessarily need something playable. Video is always good. Even if it's just white box or gray box or, you know, or just, wireframe or whatever it might be you know placeholder art and all that kind of stuff something that we can look at or play but you know even if it's just a video um something that we can look at that shows you know core game loops or you know key gameplay mechanic or something like that something visual basically make it as visual as possible include gifs screenshots artwork concept art everything like that have a timeline in mind for 
you know, kind of where, how, how long you think your production is going to take when you want to release. If you need to hire people, you know, you need to put all that in there. Like this is who we are right now, but we need these people as well to finish it. So with that in mind, you need a budget. Whatever your budget is, add 15%. Yep. Uh, <laughs> same with your roadmap as well. Think about exactly what you need and then add six months. <laughs> yeah. um, and then that's it really. Like if you get all of that, just make it kind of as a, it doesn't need to be a vast uh, like you know it doesn't need to be 10,000 words or anything like that but you know it can be a four slide deck you know that has a link to a demo at the end of it as long as it kind of articulates things clearly and in a way that lets us know that you're really excited about it <laughs> you know uh, and why you think we might be excited about it that's it you know uh but vis- visuals video and and demos are preferable but make it as visual as possible and you can pitch directly to me there's a, a a website that we have that's pitch.devolverdigital.com uh, and it has all of the uh, the little things what do you call it it's Steps, a form it's a form, it's a form. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spaces form. you're right yeah. it's a form that has the, the different areas that you uh, add your links into and yeah. you can write out your quick little pitch and your contact details and stuff like that it's a good point if there's no word for how to describe if we didn't have the word form it's a really good point there's like lines and boxes and things yeah. where you put stuff <laughs> yeah you just put stuff in there <laughs> um anyway and then you press submit and then that comes to us uh and then it's usually me that will uh sit down and go through all the games yeah so and we look at everything so if anyone pitches a game to us it might take us a while because <laughs> we we do get a lot, but we do look at everything. Is post E three a big pitch season? Is that like everyone out there gets all excited about about games again, and or like you know uh, when people are on summer holidays or? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know when the just a steady kind of stream like of pilot season is <laughs> yeah. for video games. Um, yeah, I don't know really. We tend to just get them all the time. Yeah, E three post E three is more about. Uh, you know, the kind of people getting in touch, like, ah, oh, you know, have you thought about digital creative marketing agencies and uh, all this kind of stuff? Or like, <laughs> oh, we do TV ad network, but ad buying and all this kind of stuff because suddenly people are aware of us for a week and they want to make money from us. So, <laughs> yeah, they saw somebody's email address and like scraped it off a website. Yeah, and exactly. exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, it's usually me. Um, look, lastly, you know, what? Like, does it mean something to you to, you know, to be like, does it feel special to work for a company like Devolver Digital in this industry? Um, you know, I mean, as you say, you've, you've worked outside the company, decided to join the company. It sounds like, you know, you felt your affinity was, was well aligned, but you know, just my impression being that I do feel like, you know, Devolver's just built something special and it's built a great reputation out there. Um, I'm curious if, you know, there's a sense of that internally as well that you, that you guys are doing something that does stand out. Speaking of, like for working here, like I love it. I love it. It's my dream job. When I joined, yeah, it was kind of like a natural kind of fit because we'd already been working together. You know, I loved everyone here, friends with everyone here. So yeah, I love it. And I think I can say, you know, that on behalf of everyone that works here, like most people were fans before 
you know. Can you they, just jump in the group chat and employees. ask them one by one if they, uh, you know. <laughs> I've got Slack open right here, but I think most of them are asleep. So, you know, you know this is when we sleep. Uh, yes, of course. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't forget. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, we all love it. And, you know, we're all mates. So yeah. we just kind of you know be waking up and going to work is kind of like it doesn't it doesn't feel like a chore it's not like a it's not a big deal yeah it gets busy and yeah you get stressed you know the same as you do at any other job but you know it's video games in it so you can't complain that much <laughs> so <laughs> it's all good but um yeah we just want to keep doing what we do really i mean i certainly don't see things changing anytime soon if ever i don't think we're capable of working any other way really so, yeah, if you're a fan of Devolver, then hopefully that's, like, reassuring. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not a fan, then sorry, we're not changing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. You'll be doing what you do for a long time to come. <laughs> yeah, until the joke is no longer funny. <laughs> we'll still keep doing it. Well, look, hopefully we can all get on planes again soon and we can catch up and have a drink sometime in the real world at another event in 2030. Who knows whenever that happens. <laughs> definitely yeah i still have yet to visit australia i want to come to pax so yes that you know mm. we we've built that especially as an excuse for people overseas to come here instead of us always being the yeah. ones to get on airplanes <laughs> yeah. and go somewhere else <laughs> absolutely yeah i can't wait i'm well excited awesome thank you so much for your time really appreciate it you stare dumbly at your screens drooling waiting for instructions you beg for unsubstantiated leaks cheaply orchestrated hands-free demos you suck down first looks without even the slightest thought for what is a real thing in real life that you can actually have and really interact with enough <laughs>